the Cyber Warrior Network Esports Podcast, where we discuss everything cybersecurity and identify talent in technology through esports. CWN is launching the first cyber esports league that validates cyber skills and matches players to fill real-world cybersecurity jobs. From 2014 to 2016, Nigel LeBlanc, the United States Air Force veteran, served as the Cyber Veteran Program Manager for the state of Maryland, where he helped veterans launch businesses and careers in cybersecurity. Today, he serves as the founder and CEO of Cyber Warrior Network. In 2020, at DEF CON Red Team Village, a 14-year-old girl placed in the top 25 of her cyber esports tournament. Play well, get hired. CWN, a league of their own. And now, your host, Nigel LeBlanc. All right, thanks, Mike, for joining us at CyberWare Network Podcast. Before we even jump into the questions, where are you located right now? Well, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm very excited to be on the podcast with you. I think this is a great effort, and I appreciate you inviting me. I'm currently based right in the heart of Silicon Valley in Palo Alto, California. Got it. Got it. And I'm sure you must be enjoying the weather out there a lot better than if you were in Baltimore, right? I remember my days over there. <laughs> yeah, although today it's a, kind of a rainy mess. But otherwise, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Mike, you're an Air Force veteran. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me about your Air Force career, the roles that you've had, and uh, sp- specifically within cybersecurity or anything that pertains to that. And then let's talk about your transitioning out of the Air Force. Sure. I joined the Air Force shortly after 9-11. 9-11 was the reason that I joined. Uh, by the time I got through all the process, I, I was kind of on active duty starting in 2002. And then I served four years uh, separating in 2006. I actually was not a, a cyber person, cyber operations person in the Air Force. I was an ammo troop, if you can believe that. So I spent all my days in a bomb dump with other guys building bombs for the Air Force. So I was good. It was a lot of fun. Got to see and do a lot of really interesting stuff. But, you know, four years came up and felt like it was time to to separate and, and go back to civilian life, which I did. My transition was to school. I went to law school right after I separated. I mean, I think it was probably a week gap between my last day on active duty and when I actually started school. So I like to think that my transition actually was fairly easy because it was right from this kind of very structured military environment to another semi-structured environment of being a full-time student. So that's interesting. Here it is that you started your military career in a totally different career field, not even cybersecurity, and you went into law school. What challenges did you face when you were transitioning and how long did you start to prepare for your transition period there? That's a great question. I like to think I've faced a number of the same challenges that any other veteran would face, you know, kind of uncertainty about, you know, civilian life, even though, you know, I I had spent most of my, you know, time and life up up to that point as a civilian. You know, the first real job that I had post-school, if you could think of it that way, was in the military. So as an adult, it was kind of the only thing that I knew. And as you know, and I think a lot of your listeners know, a lot of, you know, the military can be very all-encompassing, right? You work on a base, your friends are in the military, you may live on the base, you know, you're 
doctors and nurses and financial advisors and lawyers. I mean, everyone that you could possibly need to interact with are on a military base or within that military community. And, and a lot of things are also taken care of for you, right? You don't really have to worry about things like health insurance or, you know, things that really bother, you know, and put a lot of stress on normal folks out there in the real world. And I kind of was a little bit concerned that I wouldn't know how to fend for myself, right? Having had all these things somewhat somewhat taken care of and in such proximity. The other thing is just, you know, the, the military is, you know, it, it's a obviously a very different way of life. You know, it, it's the thought of going back to the civilian world where you're leaving a culture where people are, are dedicated to something greater than themselves, dedicated to serving their country, dedicated to serving the, the broader good, into a world where, you know, maybe people in the civilian world are interested in doing that and maybe not. You know, I, I kind of didn't know what to what to make of that. So that was an interesting thing to kind of grapple with intellectually and emotionally. The actual transition itself, you know, to be frank, was a little intimidating because of that. You know, I kind of left the military. I was, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I really, reflecting back, think that going right from active duty into school was very fortunate. Something I had balanced along with some other opportunities, right? Staying in the service longer was one of them. Going into a career in the defense industrial base was another, go, you know, a bunch of different options that I weighed. And I chose going to school. And I think that made my transition as easy as it could have been, again, because I'm kind of going from one structured environment into another. I mean, going right into school, you have, you know, you kind of have like classes that you take and professors that they teach you and books that you go by. So there's still a, a lot of structure involved. And the other thing that's nice about a transition from active duty to school is there's a period of time before you actually have to produce anything. You know, let's say like you go into school and uh, you don't have final exams till the end of the semester, which can be, you know, four months away, which gives you a nice period of adjustment to where you don't really have to be worried about, I need to be, you know, performing well in my job or, you know, it just kind of gives you that nice time to, to kind of adjust. Whereas I wonder if I'd come out right into you know, the, the, the real civilian world, the real private sector, for example, and gotten a job, I, I may have not have been able to adjust as easily because I would have been wanting to produce right away while at the same time trying to wrap my head around the shock of being like this uniform military dude into Joe Civilian. So for me, again, that transition to school, I think was, I didn't know it at the time, but looking back was a really, really good decision when it comes to transition. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, as you know, in the Air Force, we have what's called the mission support group, right? Yep. You hit the nail on the head. Mission support group is there to do exactly what it says, is to support the warfighter. And everything is taken care of. My first military duty location was Beale Air Force Base. I don't know if you're familiar with that place. Oh, yeah. But that's, that's an hour north of Sacramento, and then yep. there's nothing out there. So talk about, you know, having everything that you need to sustain life as you know it right there on base. So, you know, we do operate in a silo where everything is taken care of. And it's it's very intimidating, you know, when you leave those gates, right? That last day when you drive out and you're no yeah. longer in uniform, you can see it even ter in terms of access. Access to, to just the base and facilities. If you don't have the right card, just yep. don't have access the way you could just be working there the, the previous day before. Right. As we, you know, transition on outside of the military... And you realize that, hey, you know what, everything that was taken care of, everything that, you know, even something, you know, I tell military members this all the time, you know, your preparation for a transition goes a lot deeper than just, you know, building a resume or even finding a job. You have to think about your, your family, like, you know, even things like time off for appointments. Yeah. If you have to, to meet family obligations, you know, these things are handled very differently in the outside world. 
And and to kind of bring this all together, you know, specifically talking about cyber cyber security, you know, that group within the military or, you know, within that career field, that's even more siloed from general operations, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're thinking about a, a career field that operates on, on secrecy, classification and trust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it all ties into what you've just said. And then finally, you know, talking about the fact that, you know, you went into school during your transition, I think for a lot of military members, part, partly the reason why they choose that is that's a sense of mission as well. There's a, yeah. clear, there's a clear path to what you're trying to accomplish. And it's a little bit less intimidating than going outside, you know, into the industry and kind of navigating and finding the right job or whatever yeah. it is. Great points here. You've left the military. You you went into school. Talk to us about how you transitioned into cybersecurity. And, and know that you're the CEO of a cybersecurity company, Eflux Systems. So you can just kind of walk us into your transition out of school in cybersecurity and your your startup. Yeah. Obviously, I had the intention of becoming a lawyer when I went to, to law school. And it was great. I had a great education. But I kind of realized relatively early on that I was more comfortable being a an executive than an attorney. And, and I mean by that, and I think this may apply to some military folks as well, is that, you know, especially if you've ever been in charge of troops, you're used to making decisions as opposed to necessarily just advising someone on the path that they should take, which is kind of a lot more what, what a lawyer does. And I felt a lot more comfortable in that kind of deciding role than I did in, in one of which that was kind of more of an advising role for my career anyway. So uh, I ended up taking a job uh, back in government. My first job was at the State Department, really kind of in a, in a policy role, right, where I could make decisions about policy. And then eventually I wound up at the Pentagon as a civilian, first in the general counsel's office for a little while, but then eventually in the office of the Secretary of Defense. And my job there was was cyber policy, essentially. So they were looking for someone that had a legal background and a policy background and that wasn't afraid of computers and had the right security clearance, which, of course, is always important in DOD. And it was a fairly small universe of people at the time. It, you know, the office of cyber policy at the Pentagon was was very new, and they were looking for people to kind of come in and, and you know take the take the chance at helping to start up this new office, and I was happy to do so. So I came in, and frankly, I just had to do a lot of learning on the job, right? I did not have a technical background. I had a, a legal and a business background uh, and a policy background, and so I had to drink from the fire hose in terms of learning as much technology as I possibly could, and, and I really did that. I, I spent as much time as I could free time, any any opportunity I could take at work to mix with folks that were technically very, very smart, like, you know, whether they be at the NSA or in, or in private sector as well, and learn as much as I could. And, you know, I, once I felt like I was starting to understand the space and could speak the language, so to speak, you know, I, I realized that just from my perspective that a lot of the, the best work in cybersecurity was was being done in the private sector. Just the pace of innovation was was so much faster. So after a few years at the Pentagon, I decided to make the switch to Silicon Valley. And, you know, I had it in my mind that I wanted to be a CEO, which is kind of a hard transition, right? Like, going from a, a military policy type background to, you know, a startup CEO is not the most direct translation, right? Like it's a lot easier to go work at like a Lockheed Martin or something where they where they know how to quantify your skills and Silicon Valley really didn't. So I didn't make it easy on myself, but I was determined to do it. I felt like I had the background. I felt like I was smart enough. I came out here and just kind of put my mind to it. And, you know, eventually over the course of 18 to 24 months, I was actually able to to put together what I needed to, to put together to, to build uh, a great cybersecurity startup company, which is where I am today. 
Great. So tell us about your startup, Eflux Systems, and also can you, can you share as much as you can publicly about your your experience being out of Silicon Valley and how both the commercial market reacted to you, you know, as a, this new startup CEO, veteran CEO, and then also the veteran community and what resources may be out there in Silicon Valley to help entrepreneurs like yourself. Sure. So. You know, my company, Flux Systems, is what you call a seed stage company. So very, very new, right? In, in, in its first just, you know, couple of years of existence. Both of my co-founders are also veterans. They both happen to be Air Force. The majority of my company beyond them are also veterans or have worked in DOD or the intelligence community somewhere. So just about everybody in my company has that experience, right? We have a Navy guy. We have another guy who worked at Fort Meade. So it's a really great part of the culture of Flux Systems is, is trying to work with veterans and not just to work with veterans for the sake of working with veterans, but because they're disciplined, they can be relied on to get the job done, and they understand the mission. They're not just smart engineers or smart operators. They actually really, really understand the space of cybersecurity. Uh, and so we've had great recruiting enormously talented people out of out of the military and out of the intelligence community to work with us. And you know what we're building is is fairly it's definitely unique and it's fairly high end. You know, we're looking for very advanced threat actors that are conducting kind of high-end espionage. So that's kind of what we're really focused on right now, which is which is exciting, right? I, I like to think I'm giving people the opportunity to build what they would have liked to have built in their previous jobs working for the government, but you know, may, who may have been unable to do so because of bureaucracy or politics or lack of resources. I like to think I'm giving them that opportunity to build their dream, right? And so that's what we're doing. As far as how I was received, I think I was received very well as a veteran. I think people and as someone who'd worked in the military, I think people are, are always willing to talk to you. I think people respect veterans in the Valley. I don't think that's, a, I don't think that's well understood, but I, I do believe that people here are as patriotic as anywhere else, and they do respect and understand the service that veterans provide. But at the end of the day, and this is something I think is really important, the proof is in the pudding, right? Like being a veteran will get you in the door like, oh, you have a, you've had a great military experience. And now how are you going to be a successful businessman, right? It's, it just opens up that door, which is great. You need to have the door open, but then you need to be able to, to, to present some really tangible, you know, in our case, business-related skills. Can I build a great company? Can I recruit amazingly talented employees? Can I find customers? Can I turn those customers into, into paying customers? Can we build an amazing product that people you know, want to buy. So those are, you know, very tangible questions that you then have to answer once that door is open. And then as far as the the veteran community specifically in Silicon Valley, it is, you know, relatively small, you know, especially compared to some place like Washington, D.C., where there are, you know, quite a number of veterans who are there and who are working in, in various parts of public and private life. It's a little bit of a, a smaller community here, but very tight-knit. There are some terrific CEOs and investors in Silicon Valley that are veterans. Some of them are in cybersecurity, right? Mark McLaughlin, the CEO of Palo Alto Networks, which is a great cybersecurity company publicly traded. He's an Army veteran. Kevin Mandia, the CEO of FireEye, another great cybersecurity company, is an Air Force veteran. So, you know, there, Bill Coleman, the CEO of Veritas, is an Air Force veteran. So there are a number of, of really great veterans here that are making their mark in the Valley. That community does kind of help itself, right? If you're if you're a vet and you've been successful and another veteran comes out here and asks for help, I have found those people very willing to, to lend a hand. 
Yeah. So, I mean, your company is providing an awesome service and I have to say kudos to you for your transition from where you started from the military to where you are today. I think that when you look at the art of the possible and and just the sheer opportunity within cybersecurity and the will to make it happen, you um, exemplify that. What are the soft skills or any skills that you've learned along the way that has helped you in your entrepreneurship journey? You know, once again, if we look at your background, you're not a cyber technical guy, but yet still you're running this company that delivers really critical services, right? And you're in the land of the the startup, which could be a, a difficult place to navigate and you've successfully launched a startup out there. So, you know, within your previous roles, what are the soft skills that has helped you from a military standpoint or veteran standpoint to launch in a successful startup? I'd say uh, a couple skills. The first is grit and determination. Like I mentioned a, a little while ago, I, I knew what I wanted. I knew I wanted to be a startup CEO and I just refuse to take no for an answer. And you hear a lot of no's, right? You're, you, you're not experienced. You know, this job is too hard. You know, the list goes on. Uh, and you have to power through that, right? I knew what my objective was and I was just going to achieve it. And I think that's something that folks in the military have have really understood. I think it's something that, you know, is part part of your personality, but a lot of it is is kind of learned. To learn that you can do something despite the odds, I think is something that the military does teach people. And I think that's a very important lesson because it hasn't stopped. Now that I'm the CEO, it's actually worse, right? Like I hear more no more often. And the challenges are even greater. And, you know, so being able to say there is no failure is not an option, right? I'm going to achieve this very important objective. And I can't quit. I can't walk away. I may not be able to ask anyone else for help. I just have to find a way to succeed. It's it's too important not to. In the military, it could be because it's it's life or death, right? And that trains you to think in that mindset. And in the private sector, it's it's financial, but like you already have that skill set. You know how to persevere through adversity, and you've done it in much more difficult circumstances than than just business, right? You've done it you've done it in the military. So that skill has been tremendously helpful. I'd say general leadership skills, you know, the life of a a startup company is very manic. It's it's dizzying highs and terrifying lows from one day to the next. Very few days are are kind of normal days, quote unquote. And so, you know, being able to power through both the lows and the highs without, you know, getting too depressed or getting carried away with it and being able to convey to your your employees, your troops, right? Steady steadiness and optimism, but truthfulness as well, right? Here's a situation, the good and the bad of it, but, but their confidence in you as a leader is kind of what gets you as a team through it. And I think that's another skill that the military has really taught and really taught me how to use and it's come in very, very handy. And then the other thing is just, you know, keeping focused on the mission. I think it's very easy to get distracted. There's a lot of bells and whistles out in Silicon Valley like there are in life. And the military will teach you, you know, this is your objective. This is your mission. These other things are kind of superfluous. You know, you should really, you know, discipline your mind to, to focus on what needs to be done. And so those kinds of, that kind of grit and determination leadership and, you know, mission focus are probably some of the softer skills, if you want to call them that, that have really helped me out a lot in, in the private sector. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I can definitely relate to the emotional roller coaster that we go through as entrepreneurs, right? The highs and lows, you definitely have to stay the course in order to see success. Um, 
So when we got connected, we were connected through a program called Vets in Tech, and you're a board member there. You know, tell me, tell our listeners about Vets in Tech, what you guys do and what your mission is. And then also tell me what programs that you have specifically in cybersecurity that you're helping veterans launch careers there. Yeah, happy to do so. Just to be clear, I'm, I'm on the advisory board, Vets in Tech, not, not the actual board. The uh, group, I think, is very... It's great. It's one of the few outside things that I that I still do. I mean, running a company, a startup company, is very, very much a uh, full time job. But uh, you know, I felt like I really had to carve out time for vets and tech because the mission, in my mind, was just it was critical and it really matched up with my background very, very well. So I mean, the overall, you know, in a nutshell, mission is to take veterans, particularly returning veterans, but not necessarily just returning veterans, train them for careers in the technology sector and then place them in jobs in the technology sector. And that can either be a job at a place like Cisco or, you know, I mentioned Palo Alto Networks or PG&E, what have you, but it can also be, can we help these returning veterans become entrepreneurs, right? Give them the education in tech, in business, in what have you, so that they can they can kind of pick that path, that entrepreneurial path as well. So job kind of broadly defined as entrepreneurial or working in, in some place in the industry. So it's a great, really great organization. One of the focus areas now is, as you mentioned, on cybersecurity. It's not the only thing, right? It's, it's anything related to tech, but a key focus now is on those people who want to work in cybersecurity. And you know, we've been working very hard to line up key partnerships with great cybersecurity companies, as well as great companies that are looking to hire people with cybersecurity skill sets and make that happen. And we've also launched uh, several entrepreneurial and entrepreneurial series where we get together venture capitalists, investors who, who are either veterans or, or veteran supporters, and there are a lot of them, entrepreneurs who, you know, veteran entrepreneurs, and uh, get people together and, and try to help, you know, budding entrepreneurs understand what it takes to get from, from A to B. And we've actually even held hackathons and we've held pitch competitions too, where veterans will come up, pitch their company, and, you know, the winner has gotten, you know, gotten in with, with some pretty key customers. So it's been really great so far. The cybersecurity efforts, it's relatively new, but I think it's really taken off and I'm, I'm excited to see it, you know, kind of grow and expand in the coming years. Yeah, I'm hoping to get Catherine on as a guest as well, but I I am such a huge supporter of what you, know, you guys have done with VIT. I mean, when it comes to to an organization who really gets it, understands veterans and is such an advocate, one of the the really thing the big things that I've benefited from is is being able to connect with people and companies. It's really hard to get to, right? You know, last quarter there was a cybersecurity event where they brought in companies like Wells Fargo. I mean, you know, having the opportunity to pitch to companies like that really speaks volume of the of the reach of the the Vets and Tech program, right? And then, you know, Vets and Tech has partnered up with organizations like the Small Business Business Administration and, you know, really helped demystify entrepreneurship and does a great job at at, you know, challenging the message. So, thank you for um, all you do do there with that program. Yeah, my pleasure. I agree. I think it's been really great work and you're absolutely right. You know, the the opportunity even to get in front of a decision maker at a, at a you know household name company like like a Wells Fargo for example is a rare opportunity for veterans so even just that is is great but Catherine you know I got to take my hat off to her who incidentally is, is not a veteran but knows more about veterans than I do and is arguably one of the more passionate people uh, I've ever met in this subject just works at it night and day so she really deserves you know all the credit 
So you're on the other side of the table now. You're actually, you have a cybersecurity startup and you're interviewing candidates who come, you know, seeking jobs. What are the top three to five skill sets or what are the decision makers that you guys use when you, you bring on a new team member to your company? Well, mine are fairly specific, right? Our company's small enough that everybody's either building or selling. I don't, I don't need anything else at this point. And by that, I mean, if you're looking at an early stage startup company like, like mine, you are going to need to either bring some very solid technical skill sets building, or you're going to have to bring the ability to, to uh, bring me customers, right? Selling, broadly defined, right? So uh, everyone that we hire has really one of those two skill sets, so, you know, it's probably a little bit easier for a, a new veteran, a veteran that's looking to get off active duty today to come on board with an early stage company like mine on the technical side because they, they could have gotten all those technical skills in the military. The business side, honestly, it's a little bit harder to get hired because there's no way you would have learned how to do you know, business development, marketing, sales, et cetera, in the military. Not, not, not really, right? Like you, you may be able to try to to stretch and, and convince, and that's great. But I, I am so early that I don't have the resources to take that many risks on people, so they have to be kind of known, right? If you're looking for someone that, that you know, where you could kind of say, look, I did, you know, I, I was in the comm squadron in the military, and so therefore I can do strategic communications for you now, that's great. A bigger company is probably more likely to bring you on board because they can kind of accept that risk and 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 train you on the job. Whereas, I mean, just to be frank, a company of my size really can't afford for people to learn on the job. So again, we really do look for those kind of hard skills that I can point to right away of either we can build world-class technology or I can bring you customers, you know, right away. Those are really, that's really it. And then of course, the the major thing kind of wrapping it over overall is cultural fit. That's, you know, if someone comes in and is just doesn't mesh well with the team, doesn't believe in our vision, isn't isn't a self-starter, isn't motivated, even if they're the greatest technical talent in the world, we're not going to bring them on board because they're not going to fit well kind of culturally with the rest of the team. So those are, you know, those are kind of the, the big themes that, that we look for. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, a startup is the, the culture there is very, very different than a large company, right? And even with individuals themselves, what we're doing at CyberWare Network is we're doing, you know, skills gap assessments and technically, and then we're also doing personality assessments in order to match up that culture. You know, we have some individuals that are just um, happy being analysts and they don't want to deal with the customers and vice versa, right? And then also when we talk about the mission here, I think that, you know, military members understand their terminology and the word mission. You know, whenever you enter the corporate world, it's about its mission versus money or money over mission. Right. So that's a fine line that 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 we have to kind of walk whenever we enter the commercial space. And with that being said, so you've you've launched this company. How, How long have you guys been operating as a startup? And do you have anything exciting on the on the horizon that you'd like to share with us right now? So we've been operating for a little over a year and a half and are, are getting, you know, kind of great traction. We're not really public with a lot of what we do. Part of the, 
part of the benefit and drawback of being this early, right, is is uh, is kind of being in the stealth mode because, you know, if word gets out too much about what we're doing, then other people with bigger resources may be able to kind of copy it and, and smash us yep. into the ground. But I will say totally that we have some, some great customers lined up. One that has been announced publicly was actually, you mentioned Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo has announced publicly that they are going to be working with us. That's a big customer for us and a great one. So we're very excited about that. And then, the you know, the biggest thing on the horizon, generally speaking, is a very large cybersecurity conference held out of San Francisco, probably the largest in the world, that's called RSA. And that is in mid-February, pretty much every year. And uh, that is where every everybody from government to private sector to academia show up and, and try to talk about the latest trends in the marketplace, the latest pieces of technology, you know, what's going on in the government, how can we find the talent that we need to staff our great companies. And so that's a very big, big thing. And, you know, I'm right now looks like I'll be presenting at some point uh, on the margins of that conference. So that'll be a big thing for us too. So this will be a big quarter and this year will be a big year. I mean, every, every quarter is a big quarter, but this will be an especially big quarter and a big year for us, which I'm looking forward to. Well, congratulations on both Wells Fargo and RSA. Great platform, uh, large audience have been there a few times, and it's a great conference. I, I've learned a lot whenever I go out there, so I'm sure it'll be a good time. I'm missing it this year, but I'm sure it'll be a, a good event. So this is kind of like when we transition to what I call the lightning round. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. You don't really have to just kind of shoot off whatever comes to mind here. What's the best advice that you can give to a, a military man active duty or somebody who's transitioned out looking to get into cybersecurity right now? I would say technical skills. You can never go wrong. I was able to, to get to where I am without a great degree of technical skills, but I had a high degree of technical competency, right? I understood, even if I couldn't code, I understood everything that they were saying and doing, and I understood the plans and the process and everything. So as much technical competency as you can have because then the the there is no limit you can go into a seed stage company like mine all the way up through a you know a giant company like cisco so that's that's one and then the other thing would be know specifically what you want i think this is something that that military folks sometimes i've seen and it's a little bit of a fault as they'll come out and say i can do anything what do you want me to do i'm a multi-tool player put me in coach which is which is good in some ways but not very good in others, because I, I don't exactly know how to help you, right? If you say, I want to be the CEO of a startup company that does X, then I can be like, okay, you need to do this and you need to meet with these people. If you say, I want to be a salesman at a company that has $100 million a year in revenue, then I can be like, okay, you can need to do this, this, and this. So I would say, you know, find, figure out very specifically what it is that you want and then go directly at that. And then people will help, be able to help you. So that's great advice. Now, the next question is I ask all my guests, you know, are they currently reading any books right now that is really captivating or inspiring that you like to share with them, the listeners? Or has there been any books in the, that you've read uh, and you want to share, you know, something that's, that has, you know, really great life lessons or has helped you along the way, not specifically to transition, but if, if you have, you've read something that has helped you there, then uh, please share. Yeah. So I, I just finished the recent biography of George H.W. Bush, Destiny and Power, which I thought was, which I thought was really good by John Meacham. You know, I, I was a little bit too young to, to, to really follow what was going on in his presidency, but I think given kind of the insanity of, of politics today. Going back and looking at, at the, the life and, and service of George H.W. Bush, who was also a veteran, a decorated veteran who was shot down over the Pacific, was just fascinating. The, the amount of thought and dignity he put into his service to his country as a military person and as a 
president was something I really never appreciated, and I thought the book was was very, very well done. And then actually, a friend of from the Air Force, a guy I served with, is kind of just starting off his career as an author. And this book isn't out for publication yet, but I, I read it just the other day and it was terrific. So when it is out there, I'd be happy to recommend it to everybody because he's going to be a great author. It's kind of a, a book about crime, kind of an Ocean's Eleven style storyline, which is really, really fun to read. So those are the two, the two books that I read recently. Okay. Well, I'll definitely have to check out the the biography. I, I, I'm an avid reader. So whenever um, our guests come on, if there's something that piques my interest, I'll get it on there. So maybe, you know, we can probably have you back and we can talk about lessons learned there, have a conversation about Sounds that. Good. A final question that I have, any part, parting words for our audience as, you know, life lessons or transitioning or even anything within cybersecurity that you'd like to uh, leave with our, our audience? I think getting through... Your transition can be a challenge. Again, I think I had it a little bit easier than most just because I happened to pick school. But, you know, I think transition can be difficult for people. So uh, I think going back to one of the one of the questions earlier about, you know, what are the some of the soft skills that have served me well? Just, you know, dig down, find that determination and, and kind of get through it because you will. Like I've known a lot of people that have transitioned from the military to civilian life. And I've known a lot of people that have transitioned from kind of the public sector to the private sector. And every one of them that has uh, said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to achieve this and has put their mind to it. And by the way, all these people were veterans. They've done it. They have done it despite the odds. And so I think that, you know, for your audience, I would say if you have it in your mind, something you want to do, if you have a passion for something, you know, draw on that military training, draw on that military culture and that knowledge that you can actually achieve the impossible and, and you will be able to do it. Like I said, I've seen it work just about every single time and it's been amazing. So I, that would be the biggest thing that I would leave people with is, is that, you know, de- that determination and that, that ability to achieve goals that I think are unachievable. That's great advice. Mike, I want to thank you for coming on board today. I appreciate your support. I know our listeners definitely got some key takeaways from our conversation here. And thank you for being uh, my inspiration today. Your persistence and and your dedication to um, your craft definitely shows. And I wish you the best of luck. We'll definitely stay connected to our... Thanks again for coming on board. Thanks for having me. I think this is great. And and thank you especially for this service that you're providing to the veterans community. I think it's a wonderful thing. And I, I hope it's as successful as it can possibly be. All right. Thanks for listening to the CWN Esports Podcast. Check us out on CyberWarriorNetwork.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.